Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day, and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Stephanie Tama. Stephanie is a Forbes featured leadership and life coach, certified hypnotherapist, and best selling author of the transformational network book, Confident Introvert. She has facilitated over a thousand events and established a fulfilling career helping people generate meaningful connections with themselves and others that catapult them forward in their career and life. To date, Stephanie has helped thousands of people celebrate their strengths, step into their authentic confidence, and make meaningful connections through speaking at places like Harvard University and one-on-one coaching. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Stephanie. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Hello, Dwight. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. I'm excited about this. This is this, will be, this is going to be a great conversation. So... I touched on this a little bit prior to us starting the recording. I'm a real big fan of the origin story. And those that are listeners of my show already know they're going to hear me say the same thing again. The reason I got to that is because as a fan growing up of Marvel and the Star Wars sagas, they always start at the middle and they never really told us much about the origin. Mm -hmm. And we find out the origin way after the fact. And then, it, and then the original movies or whatever the case may be, it could be even a TV show, makes so much more sense. Had they just done that right away, I would have had a more thoughtful um, confidence for what I was watching and listening to. And to me, that's so important that we know about somebody's origin story, where they started, where they be- begin. Um, it can be right from your earliest memories that made who made you into who you are today and there's nothing wrong with us you know realizing that we are a culmination of all our life lessons right right from when we're kids so tell me your origin story and what key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently yes okay so i'm a total advocate of of telling and sharing aspects of the origin story as well because yeah we don't just show up one day and say, oh, I'm going to be this thing in the world. I mean, sometimes you get that epiphany, but there's a lot of stuff that happens before that, that leads you to wherever you are or wherever you want to be. So yeah, thank you for that question. So I'll start by going into what, what's already readily available in Confident Introvert, the book as the origin story, but then I'll go deeper with your audience because I think we can go there. So, so basically, yeah. um, If let's say we start the story in, in school, so in middle school, being pegged as, um, as one of the quiet kids, you know, being asked, why are you so quiet? That was a very commonly asked question. 
And, but I didn't have an answer to, because it was just how I was naturally showing up in that setting. And I remember observing other kids in school, you know, middle school and high school, having small talk before class and connecting. And I vividly remember this one, um, this one kid who I had multiple classes with, and I would see him recite the same stories every single hour that we were in a different class together. And I was like, this is fascinating. You know, like he has like a pitch, so to speak. And I just were being very curious and observant about what I was seeing, but not actively engaging in it. So, I mean, as a result of not actively engaging in even these seemingly small conversations, they caused me a lot of anxiety. I, I didn't, even if I knew the answer in class, I wasn't the person typically to be raising my hand. And I, I had this fear that if I was more vocal, if I was more loud, if I was more visible, that, that I would not be well received. So it was a sort of protection mechanism, right? And where I really started to break free of those beliefs and that mindset and that way of showing up was when I ended up joining cross country. So running, so like track and field cross country is like when you're out in the hills, like running long distances. So once I joined cross country, I, <clears throat> I, I, so to speak, found my tribe. I, I really resonated with the other people that I was now with every single day. And I had an excuse. I had the perfect excuse to strike up conversations. And I got to know these people after school and do not just, we didn't just run together. We would go to get ice cream. We would go spend our weekends together at meets and, and things like that. And then after that was junior year in high school, then, um, then goodness, then my senior year, I was the captain of cross country team. And rising into a leadership position that I never thought was accessible. I, I didn't think that leadership really was for me because of what, you know, just preconceived ideas, right? Of how a leader shows up as being this um, really extroverted, gregarious, um, maybe fake person. <laughs> that, that was an impression that I had. Uh, and then, yeah, that kind of continued into college and now being out of school, uh, it's it's parlayed into my life and career. So uh, when I ended up moving to San Francisco, I lived there for, for five years. And in that time, I hosted over 1,000 events, a combination of networking and community events. And I found that it really gave me a greater sense of purpose and confidence when I was able to get up in front of a room of hundreds of people and speak, not because out of ego or like, hey, look at me, like I thought necessarily had to be the reason why, but it was because, oh, I'm giving instructions, there's, there's a purpose and just the gratification in seeing friendships form and people being feeling connected and connecting with each other and then me getting to experience that as well when it seemed so far away growing up. And I didn't, I wasn't sure, like, can I? have a sense of community, I wasn't sure if I could. And, you know, then here I was as an adult actively living the sort of lifestyle that, that was nothing but a sort of distant dream growing up. So, so yeah, that's where we're at now, um, having that, that sense of connection and community. And, um, and now I've parlayed that into leadership and life coaching. And I work with people who are ready to, you know, kind of like step into that ideal self and, with the hypnotherapy piece, we go through mindset and kind of digging through, wait, like, why do you think that, is that really true? But now I'm going to 
take a slight pause and rewind because something that people don't typically ask about is, so they, the question, why are you so quiet? Of course, has been asked, you know, I, I'd start my book off with that sentence, but we don't get an answer. So, I mean, there, there are a multitude of reasons why someone can show up in a quiet way, right? So perhaps it's because there's a lot of processing that, that goes on. Maybe there's shyness, maybe there's um, just feeling, feeling slightly more reserved. And there's nothing wrong with that. Wanting to, let's say, observe situations before actively engaging them, if you ever actively engage in them. But I know for me, it stemmed from, um, you know, for it to go back to before, you know, the middle school years, the high school years, it was feeling a sense of disconnection within my home life. And that's not something that I typically talk about a lot because I have previously felt more shame around that topic. And, you know, as, as I've gotten older and I've begun to talk about it more freely with friends and just not from a place of shame or hiding, but just like, you know, it's of no fault of my own, of no fault, fault of my parents. Uh, it's just sometimes you're born into a situation and you don't feel a deep sense of resonance or understanding. And it can sometimes shape the way that we show up when we're then out in the world and we have these ideas of ourselves that aren't really our ideas, they've been projected onto us. So I know a, a, a large part of my transformational journey has been knowing the difference between what are the labels that others have put on me? What are the labels that are true to me? And um, yeah, just sort of living that every day and allowing other people to, to see what is your stuff and what can we, what can we take steps to, um, to maybe have a healthy distance from? Yeah. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I really appreciate uh, you sharing. Um, yeah, I took lots of great notes down, you know, starting all the way back to, you know, like you said, why you're in middle school, why, why are you quiet? You're, you've got no small talk. You got students that are, you know, visiting and already in middle school, even prior, even in elementary school, I find there's a lot clicks develop really quick and mm -hmm. people develop into their own selves and more people that are more introverted and shy seem to not know what to exactly say, like you mentioned, how to reach out there. We have uh, a lot of self-limiting beliefs already. And you mentioned something just at the end here of your home life and the, you know, a disconnection you, and type of shame. It all ties together because what we tend to forget is what we see at home, you know, you can't just shut that switch off and then go to school. So if we don't have a, a deep rooted connection at home or, and again, like you said, it might not have been your parents. It, you don't know exactly um, where that disconnect came from, but the disconnection was a reality and you're, you didn't have the confidence. I felt the same way. I was extremely introverted. I go to school and felt like I was ostracized when probably really I wasn't. It was just my mm -hmm. lack of confidence and being, like you said, being able to go out and talk to people. I think it's amazing, though, that you got into the cross country, into the running and stuff, and you mentioned the fact you grew your tribe. And then all of a sudden, now you're hanging out with these people. And the power of not just the physical aspect, 
because it helps your, you know, helps your brain, helps the endorphins in your body and you to feel better. The thing that I loved the most about that wasn't the fact that you got out more physically active. It was your connection to other human beings, which raised your level of confidence. You're still an introvert. You never stop being an introvert, but you can be um, a more expressive introvert. You can be more in control of how you use your introversion as a superpower more so as something that you feel ashamed about you mentioned that right that we have a little bit of you know we don't want to be like this we don't understand why we're like this and once we grow out of our shell somewhat and we continue to evolve and develop you come into a person that's you that's doing you know a thousand plus events in where you're you're working within those in San Francisco, you talked about that. And I thought that was amazing to go from being that person that didn't that hid in the hallway, for an example, not necessarily hid behind something, but you know, you didn't want to be noticed and listening to other people's having their little pitches. I like that. When you talked about their little pitch, repeating it every hour on the hour. Um, you know, it's just, it's amazing to see the transform to hear the transformation part of me. You did a great job of sharing that. So I'm, I really appreciate that. Um, we're going to dive into some of the other things you talked about too, in regards to hypnotherapy. Um, so I know you are a certified hypnotherapist. I've always wondered what the fascination is with hypnotherapy. Can you share what the draw was it for you and how it has helped others, including yourself on your journey? Yes. So when we think about hypnotherapy, it's essentially there is an, an, there is a speaking component where that, that would be the coaching where that comes in, right? Where there's the pre-interview and the post-interview and where traditional coaching or talk therapy can fall short is this sense of, let's say, release or catharsis that can come from retelling something that you remember that happened to you. However, Oftentimes the way that we operate and the ways in which we are limited don't, aren't easily connected to something in our conscious awareness. So basically what hypnotherapy does is it allows us to, to, to identify, it could be a root incident or it could be a root emotion that, or belief that is dictating how we show up in the world. And oftentimes these are self-limiting beliefs that we've internalized as fact. So when I work with clients and we talk about, oh, let me know, you know, how you're feeling about this topic or that topic. And I'll oftentimes hear them say things as fact, like, oh yeah, I'm just, I'm not good at that. That's not my strength. That's not my place. And that's an opportunity to dig deeper because it's not necessarily a fact. These things that we think we can't do or are not available or accessible to us, perhaps it's something that someone said in passing without realizing how much of an impression it would make on us. Or, you know, there are so many different reasons why we can have various beliefs that we have. And another component of hypnotherapy that is really valuable is not needing to relive the experience. So oftentimes when I'm working with clients, particularly through more traumatic events that have taken place either recently or in childhood, we will focus on recalling the events at a distance and getting to a place of desensitization 
of the actual event itself and taking steps to, you know, there are different elements of higher self, future self work that can be incorporated uh, as well as inner child work. So oftentimes if there was any sort of event or experience that happened with an authority figure, with a parental figure, uh, whatever it may be, it's an opportunity to access ourselves at whatever age or position that person was in and to go back into that experience and imagine what would it be like if the older, wiser version of myself was there for me at that pivotal time when maybe I was very much so alone and not in a position to be really cared for or guided through that process. Wow. That is, uh, that is fantastic the way that you explain that. I know many people think of hypnotherapy as what you see on, you know, movies or television shows and what exactly is the process? And well, you don't have to necessarily share the exact process, but can you give us a few of the steps? What, how does it start? So you talked a little bit, you touched a little bit on it. So obviously you don't necessarily do, do you do anything to get somebody into that state of mind? Like they show people with a watch swinging back and forth or they'll use a pen. Do you do any of that? Or is it more of just a talk session that gets to the root of this stuff? Is, is, how, how does your hypnotherapy work? Can you explain that? Yes. So I use hypnotherapy within the container of a long-term coaching uh, program. So for example, let's say if I'm working with a client for nine months, we may do three hypnotherapy sessions over the nine months with some more traditional talk focused coaching sessions that um, are the dominant form of communication. So this isn't to say that go undergoing regular hypnosis can't be helpful. However, I do like to have a balance of the two. And oftentimes through a traditional talk coaching component, things will surface that will then inspire the session to come. And, and that's a great point that you brought up that oftentimes people think of hypnotherapy in terms of the person on a stage clucking like a chicken or a sort of brain control situation uh, where you, know, you asked earlier, do you use it in regular conversation when people don't know? That's unethical. My answer is no. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, there, there is such thing as, so for example, in the training, I trained at the Hypnotherapy Training Institute in Marin County, California. And there's, yeah, there, there's a code of ethics that's involved there where there is explicit consent and a big part of being open to hypnosis and having it work for you is establishing rapport. So when I was very first hypnotized, and by the way, I didn't think I could be hypnotized until I was at a personal development conference called Hive. And it, it's a leadership conference as well. So it's that great mix that I love of personal and professional growth. And I ended up having lunch, sitting next to this woman, didn't know who she was. Uh, and we spoke for over an hour, great conversation. And then after lunch, we were going to go into breakout sessions. And there were five individuals on stage that explained what their breakout session was. And I anticipated, okay, I'm going the marketing track, business development track. And this woman that I just had lunch with was on stage. And she said, I'm doing a group hypnosis. 
So even though I hadn't planned on it, something told me, I just had a great conversation for an hour with her. She's now up on stage. I'm going to her session. And due to that level of rapport and trust that I built with her, when she, there were 30 of us in a room and it, it was for me, it was this undeniable experience where I knew, hmm, I'm not in my normal state. <laughs> this is different. And there was a little bit of hesitation at first, but then I eased into it and, and I found it deeply soothing, deeply relaxing. And I knew that it was something that I wanted to revisit. So, so again, this origin story, that's the origin story of my hypnotherapy journey of having that experience, then having my own hypnotherapist and then going through training to be a, a hypnotherapist myself. And now practicing uh, in within a larger coaching context container. So how it works is, you know, you, you mentioned this earlier. So when the person that's moving a pendulum or a spiraling object or something to, to get someone into trance. So, so that is called the induction. And that's the very beginning of the process that allows the person undergoing hypnosis to uh, to relax into it. And, uh, and I, you typically do not start out with the induction. The process begins with talking and asking about what's on your client's personal conscious awareness at the moment. And sometimes the intake form that my clients will fill out, let's say a week, two weeks, a month in advance, will not reflect what's present for them right now. So I, I always like to, to get a gauge for, okay, what is present for you right now? What is on your mind? And oftentimes there is a similar root cause as to whatever the initial intake form suggests is the issue and what's brought up um, in the here and now, if there is a difference. And basically then when you do reach that induction phase, it's, it's an opportunity to uh, activate the beta brain waves. So you're going from a very active state where you're, you're conscious. And then this is sort of the intermediary when you're drifting off to sleep, for example, and there is a misconception that you are sleeping and that you are, that you necessarily are an REM rapid eye movement phase and totally asleep. Some people do fall asleep when they're in hypnosis, if they're not used to it, and they're just so relaxed that they end up falling asleep. But typically you're not asleep. You're just in a deeper state of relaxation. And, um, and essentially then yes, then the process continues and there may be questions that are asked, or it could be more of a, of a sort of listening, like invitations to, um, to experience things or contemplate certain things within the context of your own mind. It really depends. And then at the end, there will be the opposite of an induction. Um, there's a process that allows the client to return to um, a state that's more alert and awake. And then you get to talk about it after, about what came up. So that's a really high level overview of what a session wow. can be like. It, it, it's a great overview though. I had no clue, um, you know, like you talked about it being, you know, that's the induction using a pen or a watch or metal of, you know, whatever you're going to use to get them into that, to help them get into that state. You know, it's, it's interesting to know that everything still, even with hyp hypnotherapy starts with a conversation. 
starts with the fact of relationships, starts with the fact of trust, just like the lady that you sat and had lunch with mm -hmm. or dinner, whatever it was for an hour. Then you went to her, her session, you already had that connection. And everything that you talked about still result, revolves around the fact that we need to connect, we need to trust, we need to, you know, I always tell people you need to KYT, you have to know, um, okay, can't even get that straight. You have to know, like, and trust somebody, right? So you mm. have to KLT, you have to know, like, and trust somebody. And that person you resonated with went to their session, resonated with them again, and then you were able to be hypnotized. And it it's interesting. I didn't realize that they're not really asleep. They're just in a different state. And, you know, that's interesting to know because I always wondered, and I bet you the listeners are, have wondered as well, because there's such a stigma about what hypnotherapy is because of mass media, um, through movies, television, whatever the case may be. And it's important that people realize the stages because many might not even look at it as an opportunity to, heal their lives or to pivot their lives forward to level up to keep on climbing when they're nervous and they're afraid to ask now they don't have to so that was a great high level explanation i loved it um i like the fact that you talked about it happens over you know you do three sessions over like a nine month period but in between there there's still conversation so hypnotherapy is more about the fact that you're still you're still talking things out with that person using hypnotherapy sessions in between there to um do mind correction and would that be a good way to put it so their so, minds stuck after so many sessions of just talking with them yeah so so that's my process i because i i so i do leadership and life coaching in conjunction with this is oh, just one modality okay that, yep. that can be helpful in facilitating that ultimate transformation so there are some hypnotherapists that you can meet with weekly where you're doing hypnosis every week oh, okay. i just take a slightly different approach and uh, i like it though I like that. Approach. Right. Yeah. Because I, there is value in what we're consciously aware of and, and what's consciously on our minds. And, and I found that when we take a step back from any sort of stigma that we feel it has, and we ask ourselves, okay, do I want help? Am I open to help? Is this a problem? And if the answer is yes, then that's the first step that's needed where, um, you know, just so of course, there is talk therapy that has lessened in stigma, particularly uh, in recent years. And when we talk about hypnotherapy, it's actually not talked about as often because it's so rarely dismissed by people's images of it as being stage hypnosis focused, when really it's it's been a way of sort of reforming beliefs and questioning beliefs that we we take for granted as, as our personal truth. And it's used in training within the CIA, for example, it's used in trainings within the army. And the, this modality, it, even though it's not something that's totally mainstream right now, let's take a look back at other things that used to be not super mainstream that are today. So an example of that would be running. We all know that I'm a runner. And it wasn't always that popular. It wasn't always that cool. It was considered a, a punishment for other sports. Oh, you did something bad, go do 10 laps. 
you know? So, and it became trendy in probably the last decade or two. And then when we think about even, um, yeah. So, and then meditation is a huge one. So there was a huge question mark around, okay, if you're not a monk, if you are not, like, why would you sit by yourself for hours on end? And now there are long wait lists for Vipassana meditation retreats. So the, those 10 day silent meditation retreats, I, uh, I was able to do one uh, over the holidays in 2019, going into 2020. And it's, yeah, it's one of those things where now with apps like Calm, Headspace, Spotify, there, there are countless apps that have demystified meditation and it's people understand the benefits of it. And I do think that that's something that will happen with hypnosis. I'm not sure about the timeline, but I do know that it works and that if people are receptive to something that works, regardless of the stigma that it has, it's not something that you need to share with everybody. Um, yeah. Just, yeah, when you're dedicated to your growth, then, then you're open to trying things. Well, and you've added a, a level to your craft and what you've perfected or still working on, obviously, we never really hit perfection, even in what we do. You've added that personal touch to it. Like you said, you're a leadership um, coach as well. So you've interjected the two together, whereas some people are just mechanical. There could be somebody out there that's into hypnotherapy. They have a practice and they just keep it within that wheelhouse. They don't look at the fact of how it can help other places in that individual's life and help them transform. So kudos to you. That's fantastic that you've developed, as you said, your own way of doing it. But for me, listening to you, it resonates with me. That's the way I would expect it to be now and <laughs> not the go in every week and okay, let's go. We're going to hip, we're going to hypnotize you. I like that personal connection. I like the fact that of all the different things you brought up, we won't, I won't review them all. Um, I've again, took, I took a lots of, lots of great notes, but I really appreciate that um, little insight and look into what exactly the potential of hypnotherapy is, especially with somebody like yourself. So you're a best-selling author of a transformational networking book, Confident Introverts. I myself am introverted and I have been working on being that more confident introvert for the last 30 years. What exactly is a confident introvert and what made you decide to write a book about this? Yes. Okay. So you're talking about this just to show your, your viewers. Yeah. I know those that are listening can't see it, but um, so yeah. It's a beautiful introvert. book. Check it out. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, the, the catalyst. So even though I identify as more introverted than extroverted, it is a spectrum. I am, whenever I take those tests, I'm somewhere around 60% introverted, 40% extroverted. So some would call me an ambivert. But what I liked about putting these two terms together is that oftentimes at first glance, people think they are oxymorons or contradictory. When really, uh, what matters most in how we show up is our level of confidence. There are countless celebrities, for example, that get their energy from solitude, but they're still able to, let's say, be on stages or meet people. And maybe they're not a fan of small talk, but they're able to function in a way that is social. 
without necessarily deriving all of their energy from it. So what I learned fairly early on was that the fact that I energize through going on long distance runs from journaling, from writing, from reading, from meditating, from doing all these things that are more solitary, it, that gives me fuel and energy to be able to, uh, to talk, to talk with groups of people, to talk one-on-one and to, um, to engage, to actively engage in a, in a confident, lively way. Wow. So it's been a bit of a journey throughout your whole life, all the way from starting as being that quiet person, all the way up to realizing that you aren't just the label of introvert. Did you call it ambivert? Yes. Okay. So, so basically the, one of the catalysts for the name of the book was people would, would regularly introduce me to other people and say, Oh, Stephanie is so extroverted. And I just realized that personality, although it helps us, you know, I I studied sociology in college. So sociology allows us to put people into groups and then we can begin to predict behavior based on whatever group someone falls into. And oftentimes when people strongly identify with a group, there's too much cognitive dissonance to act in any other way other than how they perceive that group to act. So For example, I thought I'm in the introvert camp. People think that this is how I am. So it would be inappropriate if I were to host events. It would be against that code of conduct in my mind to grab a microphone and get on stage and facilitate a networking event. So there are these thoughts that I have had that I know other people have had as well that keep us confined. And it became such a sort of joke when I found out, wait a second, people used to think this about me. Now they think this, and I know that I'm being myself, but I'm just exhibiting and owning more of my confidence in a more external way. I'm not hiding it. And sometimes it can take a little bit more energy to hide which just naturally wants to come out. And it doesn't mean that you're super loud. It just means that you're attuned to what is authentic and natural for you and that there's variation. You're not always going to act in one way or another way. And an ambivert means that you can show up in different situations in different ways. Maybe one group of people you would find draining. Another group of people you would find engaging and and enlivening. So it's, I'd really like to open up the conversation with this book, Confident Introvert, around the fluidity of our personalities and how we can be confident no matter how others perceive us, no matter what labels we put on ourselves or others put on us. Wow. I love, I love that. I was, had so many different thoughts racing in my head as I was um, jotting notes down and listening to you um, against the code of the group, right? Like really, when you think about it, I talk about society as being, I've talked about it for years about, I call it the committee of they, they have expectations of us. They have rules of how we should uh, exist, how we should talk, what we should share. And being part of a group can be very empowering 
as you talked about, certain groups will energize and others won't. And that is so key for people that are listening to understand you need to find the most authentic you outside of your group. Your group should be enhancing your life. It should be helping you level up. It should not make you feel bad. If you're in a group and you feel your energy is draining or you're, or you're tired, it doesn't even matter if you're introvert or extrovert. There, That's a group of energy vampires. You need to run very fast um, because they're going to help you or they're not going to help you a group be the most authentic you. They're going to accept you, in my experience, they're going to accept you for who you are. You're going to have the ability to share your opinion about things, have conversations within that group. You're not always 100% going to resonate, but you better be leaving that group situation feeling better than feeling worse. And is it going to happen 100% of the time that you're going to have the the, you know, the butterflies in your stomach and that good feeling and that, you know, the warm fuzzies, I'd say no, but you better not be leaving that group feeling terrible. Then something is, then you have to reflect, were you the problem or was the group the problem? And I've been involved in many different groups. And now they call a lot of these groups. So we're involved in masterminds of some sort, they'll call it that, use that name, but it doesn't mean necessarily that when you're part of a group that they're better than you, that you're, you might be the best value for the group. And the reason I bring that up is I was listening to somebody on clubhouse yesterday and they said, if you walk into the room and you're the smartest person in the room, you're the wrong, you're in the wrong room. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you in a group? Are you in the group to learn, to grow and to also add value to the group? You have to have the right mindset when you go into the group um, in any form of group, but yeah, you know, you're right though. We do have, we get labeled by so many people, you know, your friend labeling you as an extrovert when really you're not, I have people that think I'm an extrovert, but I'm a work in progress. I've been working on being extroverted. Like, uh, you know, even let's say 10 years ago, I would have never been doing something like this. There would have been, there was no way but there was processes I had to do and have been doing to get to a point where I can be more extroverted, where I do, for an example, I do daily videos every single day. I have been since March 1st of 2020. I haven't missed a day now. Um, why do I bring that up to the listeners? Some of them are aware of why I did it. It helped me with my confidence. It helped me be able to speak my truth and put it out there and doing it live. There's no edit button. There's no rewind. It is what it is. I'm sharing. I make mistakes. I'll correct myself and say, well, actually, you know, I just realized I said this or that, and it helped build the confidence in me, which made it so that I wasn't so introverted that I could share, even though for the last 18 years, I've stood on stages and done training in a finance aspect because you're with a captive audience. They're there and they pretty much are in your session. They're listening but they aren't necessarily present and there for the right reasons. Mm. And speaking in that sort of situation isn't the same as speaking in, in, a, in a group of people about, you know, motivation or, or inspiring them. It's, it's completely different. They're there now because they want to change themselves from the inside out and work on who they are. They want to stop being camped and they want to start climbing and, and leveling up their lives and, and not being stuck. So, I know myself, I, I really resonate with what you said. I'm going to have to go on and do um, 
obviously there must be some online things, questionnaires or whatever, where you can find out what kind of, where you fall within the introvert, extrovert. Um, yeah. Yeah. So my, my Briggs is classic. Uh, and the, oh, gosh, last time I took it, I got INTJ. And the thing is, I've been sort of on the cusp with almost everything. So I do think, and by cusp, I would say, let's say 10 percentage points here or there. So it, it's one of those things I, I would always take those tests with a grain of salt, but use it as a tool for, for greater understanding. And even if you are more introverted, it doesn't mean that you can't find some activities that are not in solitude enlivening. Uh, and oftentimes what I recommend if you are finding yourself depleted by different activities that you'd like to be invigorated by, maybe that's too much pressure. You don't need to try to completely change how you energetically show up. I mean, that, that certainly can happen over time, but you can instead decide to preserve your energy. So then the amount of energy that you naturally have is, is conserved so you can use it when you need it. So one way to do that is a concept from the book Confident Introvert. It's called having a solitude sandwich. And what this looks like <laughs> is that the contents of the sandwich, the peanut butter, so to speak, is your activity. So maybe it's this podcast interview. And then let's say you have 15 minutes, an hour, three hours on either end of this activity, however much you can manage to be your downtime. Maybe in that time you go on a walk, you read, you do something that contrasts that activity in the middle. And that allows you to be in a place, trying out different ratios, of course, to not all of a sudden be at an event, even a virtual event, and all of a sudden hit a wall and need to leave immediately because you just feel drained. Yeah, I've been to I've been on far too many events. I've been in live events so where I felt like that, you know, as an introvert, I can only handle so much. I'm the type of person that normally would hide across the room, wouldn't interact with the groups, little clicks of groups in between breaks. Um, I've gotten better, obviously, over the years, but that's how I used to initially be in regards to connecting with people because I would have such an energy drain. But I appreciate that. That's um, I'd highly suggest the readers checking out uh, the book. I love that when you said having a solitude sandwich. <laughs> that was that's amazing. I I think that is great. So thank you for sharing that. Um, what would you say in your life are some things that you wish you had done better on the road to where you're currently at? One of the main things that comes to mind that I think would have made my journey a lot, not easier, but you know what, maybe in some respects a little bit easier is trusting the process of, of let's say taking leaps professionally or doing things that didn't always have a rational reason why behind it. It was more of a gut instinct feeling. And there have been times in my journey up until today where I would feel that gut feeling and I followed it. And I was pleasantly surprised about what, what followed. And there were also some times when I didn't always follow it because it wasn't logical and it wasn't rational. So I think 
if I could go back and all of those instances where you have the undeniable gut feeling of you should do this, this nudge, and it's not to be confused with this over logical thinking that's like, oh, because of this statistic, I should do this. Because if that were the case, people wouldn't go for their dreams. They wouldn't try to be, let's say, a best-selling author. They wouldn't try to be an actor. They wouldn't try to be these things that people have this perception. It is not possible or really hard. It's about having this tuning into this self-belief. And over the years, I've certainly been able to, um, with the help of, of my own coaches and mentors, uh, be, I've been able to hone a greater sense of not only identifying when those nudges are telling me, okay, do this, go this way, come on. <laughs> this is like your higher self talking. It's time to, to rise up. Um, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's a great answer. Um, I know, I talk a lot about faith with people I've done have actually the last four or five days, my videos have all been tied around having faith. And I'm not talking about necessarily for the listeners or people that are going to watch this. Faith can be many different things. It can be obviously tied to spirituality, but faith in ourselves and our and the ability to grow and change and self doubt is so huge in our society because people aren't taught to have faith in the process of like you were talking about being able to step out and having faith that you can do it. And that yes, you might have a few failures. But you know, failures aren't a bad thing. They're a stepping stone to moving forward. And you just have to have faith and belief in yourself, like you were saying. And so the listeners, you need to have believability in yourself, you need to have faith that you can change. And it's important, as uh, Stephanie mentioned, to have mentors and coaches. I have mentors and coaches most of my life, depending on what I'm doing and what I'm trying to achieve. You can find somebody to coach and mentor you that's specific. Right now in my life, I have coaches for mentoring me on my finance business, my book, my podcast. They all have their own wheelhouse. They all have value to add to my life. And I have to have the faith that they have the best, you know, that they have my best, um, what's the word I'm looking for, that they have what's best for me and their mindset or the group of people that we are so that they're communicating to help level me up. And then it still falls back on myself, though, obviously, I have to take all this information and then you know, mix it up and, and figure out who the who the most genuine person that Dwight can be. So Stephanie, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? The first piece is to tune in to your intuition, whether that means through journaling, free writing, letting whatever wants to come out, come out uncensored or sitting in pure peace and quiet and just listening for what comes up. Wow. And feeling, feeling into it and being open to the possibility of having those little nudges and those little dreams become your reality, being open to it. That would be something that I would leave with. Wow. 
I love that. So when you say sitting in peace and quiet, that could be meditation. Yes. And it doesn't mean that your environment is peaceful and quiet. It means that you are. Yeah. I love that. That is great. What a great, what a great last message. I really appreciate that. Um, So while our time is almost up and I want to respect our listeners and your time, however, before we end, can you please tell the listeners what is the best way to reach you? Yes. So the best way to stay connected with me, I would love to invite all of your listeners to a confidence meditation, subconscious meditation challenge. So you can go to Stephanie Toma, that's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E-T-H-O-M-A.com slash freebie to join that, get your free subconscious meditation track for confidence boosting. And I would also encourage you if you've enjoyed this conversation, you're curious about how, how you fit in here, how, where do your goals and dreams fit and how can you become more aware of them and elevate yourself in a way that's really aligned and authentic, then you'll want to head over to stephaniezahoma.com slash coaching to apply for a strategy session. And let's get social. You can feel free to go on social media and uh, you can most often find me on Instagram. So at Stephanie M. Toma. And I'm also on Facebook at Stephanie Toma. Fantastic. I'll make sure that uh, all of this is added into the show notes, which. uh, And the book, I'll just say really quick. Go ahead. Yes. If you're curious about Confident Introvert, a practical guide to connecting with others at networking events and beyond, then you can find it on Amazon or just Google search it and you'll find it. It's been picked up by more retailers than I'm totally aware of. So that's my closing. That's amazing. (laughs) I'll, I'll make sure that's all in the show notes. Um, the listeners or viewers can find at giveaheck.com. Um, you can go in there to find the links to access this podcast um, notes and as well as finding the links also to watch it if you're looking for it on YouTube. Um, so thanks so much for being on Give a Heck, Stephanie. I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experience experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode. Please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. If you want to check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes, please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all strive to give a heck.